You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your heads, whether you are awake or not. Some of you who have been watching games the past couple days may be less awake than others. I'm one of those people. I'm Ryan Andrews. I'm back for another day of Blue Jays talk, and I I don't know what I should say about that Oakland game last night. It's just another bad performance by the Blue Jays and a 6-2 loss. We'll talk about it after the break, but... Obviously, the big news from yesterday was the MLB trade deadline, and the Blue Jays continue to dismantle their bullpen. You don't need a good bullpen when you're this bad a team, and two free agents were sent out the door. Aaron Loop, the previously longest-tenured Blue Jay pitcher, previously longest-tenured Blue Jay player, I know, how many people shook their heads at that every time they heard that every time Aaron Loop came into a game this year. Uh, Aaron Loop traded to Philadelphia for minor leaguer Jacob Wogspack. He's a double-A, triple-A tweener who can start games potentially. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so Loop goes to fortify the Philadelphia pen. And starter John Axford, or reliever John Axford, whichever one you want to call him by, John Axford sent to the Los Angeles Dodgers for minor league reliever Corey Copping, who was announced earlier will be in New Hampshire to help bolster their playoff run. A couple of 24-year-old righties coming back for the bullpen pieces. And you look at the Blue Jays' bullpen now and what remains of it. Uh, There's not a lot. Tyler Clippard's still here. Everyone thought Tyler Clippard was going to be dealt. Nope. Still have her goggles. Ryan Tapera is still here. Makes sense. He's still controllable. Danny Barnes will be back today. The Blue Jays announced earlier that Barnes is going to be activated from the DL and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. will be placed on there, which that's not a fair trade. I love Danny Barnes, but that's not a fair trade at all, losing Lourdes Gurriel like that. But we'll see. That's that's a necessary presence for the Blue Jays to have because... While the bullpen didn't perform terribly last night, it was the upper arms that were that were really doing things, and it didn't really keep the team in this game. Uh, Luis Santos was the first call after Sam Gavilio, who I think everyone can agree Sam Gavilio is back to being the Sam Gavilio that was traded for cash considerations after that start last night two and two thirds innings allowed five runs CRA is back up above five just another bad start for Gavilio Oakland probably has a book on him from the Seattle days but still it was just a miserable time trying to watch that performance so in his place after that we we got a bullpen protection that didn't look terrible it, it was profoundly mediocre, but honestly, that's a plus for the Blue Jays to get mediocre results from their bullpen after some of the displays that we've been subjected to over the month of July. Uh, 
seeing Luis Santos come out and pitch an inning and a third of scoreless baseball was good. Seeing Joe Biagini come out and do the exact same thing, also good. I enjoyed seeing both of them put forth those kind of performances. Luis Santos looked better than he's had all season. That strikeout he had at Chris Davis last night was very sweet. That 94-mile-an-hour fastball used to sit Davis down was great. It's a sign of what Luis Santos can be when he has his control. That's been the problem with him, though. The control hasn't been there. Biagini looked on point after another couple of rough outings where he was giving up home runs, came in for an inning in the third, struck out three of the four batters he faced. It was just dominant there. Even Brandon Compton, who I've seen compared to a creative player on make on MLB the show that Ross Atkins just happened to bring to life to fill out the bullpen. Brandon Compton in his first MLB action in four years. He did have major league experience. He was with the Pirates in 2013, 2014. He wasn't terrible for what he was being asked to do, which is go out and soak up innings. Went an inning and two thirds, gave up three hits, walked two, allowed a run. So again, completely mediocre. But at this point, the Blue Jays will take that if it gets them through the games. And Tyler Clipper pitched a solid inning. Maybe that'll get some interest in him. Maybe the Blue Jays will put him on waivers and see what happens there. So it wasn't terrible, but the problem comes back to the offense. And it's a problem we've been talking about the entire season with that offense. It's not consistent. You can't rely on it to do anything. And at times it just looked really bad. Like... There are some things that are unavoidable, like Luke Maley lining into another double play, which, what can you do when you line it right at someone like that? That's been the Blue Jays' luck lately, just lining out shots like that. But it, it was just another bad night for the offense. And you look at it, and it's an inability to make what, base runners they do get pay off into something tangible. They they were one for seven with runners in scoring position. Another abysmal night doing that. The only source of offense the Blue Jays have had is Kendris Morales, who had a two-for-two two night with two walks. He was on base all four times. He's raised his on base to 341. He's the best Blue Jays hitter in the lineup from an average standpoint. And this is a guy who was hitting a buck 50. And he's raised it over 100 points. And he's the lone bright spot. He, but he's not getting pitches to hit for home runs. So he's knocking singles the other way. And, and working walks and getting on base. And no one does anything behind him. And the key antagonist to bringing Kendris Morales around to score runs is Jan Harvis Solarte. And Solarte may have had the worst performance of any Blue Jay. And that's including another display of poor outfield glove work. Watch Curtis Granderson muff a ball in right field. Watch Dwight Smith Jr. have problems corralling balls in left field. Like, Luke Maley couldn't catch, couldn't close his glove on a pop-up. Just... More problems defensively, but Jan Hervis Solarte may have been the worst of all, especially on his last at bat 
when he grounded out to Matt Chapman. And Chapman had to make a great play to grab the ball and throw it over. But it was almost like the second Solarte heard the ball hit the glove, he just gave up. He just like, eh, whatever. And just, it was almost like he was jogging the first at that point. And it raises the question, what really to do with Yanharvis Solarte now that there are so many infielders in the organization? With Brandon Drury coming in, with Lourdes Gurriel getting more playing time when he's healthy, Solarte is expendable, and I don't know if he knows that. He built up so much goodwill, like being the life of the party in the first half, and the alligator chomp, and he's got the heartwarming story with his kids and the wife who he lost to cancer. It's a great story like that, but the Blue Jays aren't looking for stories right now, and they're not looking for sometimes production. The The sell-off at the deadline proved they are looking to next year and the year after that, and while Solarte may technically be a part of that solution with the two option years that he has at very affordable prices, his effort level especially on running out ground balls, has been terrible. Like, I, I've joked that Solarte might finally give Kendris Morales a run for his money in the slowest possible race, but when you're getting out-hustled by Luke Maley and and you, ju- you just pull up like that, like, I, I don't know if he was trying to just make that Chapman throw look less impressive or what, but but pulling up like that sends entirely the wrong message to younger players. And you're going to see more younger players on this team. Like, Darnell Sweeney is not going to be, like, permanent. He's, he is a placeholder, Darnell Sweeney. He's getting a start today in the outfield, too, which is going to be fun. But the Blue Jays' front office is going to start questioning what kind of guys they want around to help mentor these these kids. And that's why Kendris Morales is stuck around. Kendris Morales, by all accounts, is a great clubhouse presence. A guy who, even in the worst slump of his career, didn't let that get him down and kept grinding and kept working and got to the point where he is getting his average back to its career norms and he is getting on base. Kendris fought through it. You, you look at guys like Randall Grichuk, who had the same thing. Fought through a slump, starting to come around. Grichuk got his average up to 216. That's great. Russell Martin, consummate clubhouse leader. That's basically the best thing he gives the Blue Jays now for that $20 million that he's getting paid. But there's less of a question of what to do with him. And it's falling on Yan Harvis because, again, the effort's not showing there. And the Blue Jays had that 40-minute meeting after the first game in Oakland, which was an absolute failure on every level. And... It was a 40-minute long meeting, and you have to wonder if that's the kind of stuff that they were talking about, about effort and and trying to put the team in the best position to win. And if you don't give that hustle, if you if you keep kind of lackadaisically throwing yourself at ground balls, you have to wonder what you're offering this team going forward, what faith you are giving the Blue Jays going forward. And... I, I don't know if Solarte is going to be a part of that solution the way he's been playing lately. Certainly not ahead of Brandon Drury, who is much more preferable, much younger, has the same amount of control. He's, he's not even going to be above Ledmus Diaz. And uh, again, is that you wonder if Solarte is going to be a candidate. Maybe they try to move him in August. Maybe they couldn't really get the momentum going 
Solarte's batting average has been plummeting. He's down to 232 now. So maybe the Blue Jays are waiting to see if he picks it up a little bit in August or if they are going to have to look and say, is Yan Harvest Solarte worth $5 million next year? And that would have been an un- 100% yes two months ago. But now you really have to look at it and wonder, does Solarte offer the best chance for this team to win? Does he offer what we want for the younger players coming up? And that's going to be a question that the Blue Jays have to answer in the next month or so. Uh, we we went a little long on that. I, I should have saved Solarte for the second half, but I, I wanted to get that off while I was thinking about it. So we'll come back with a quicker second half right after this. So let's quickly talk about the other big story for the Blue Jays yesterday, and it is one that happened about a two-hour drive away from Toronto, three-hour drive. I've, it's been a while since I made that drive from Toronto down to Buffalo, so my timing may be a little off, but the big story was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was promoted to AAA and made his first appearance for the Buffalo Bisons yesterday, and there was obviously an influx of attention seeing the number one prospect in baseball, the Montreal native going out there. I'm going to call him Montreal native every time just because that's his birthplace. I get to say it. But it, it was interesting to see what the Blue Jays were kind of looking for. It, it was a weird lineup. It had Gio Urshela at DH, which, okay, if that's how you want to live your life. But it was actually very heartening. Uh, from a Blue Jays perspective, to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. come up at AAA as a teenager and do exactly what they wanted to see him do. He wasn't pressing. He wasn't trying to force anything. Uh, He ended up going 0-for-1 with three walks and a sacrifice fly. So that's, that's a pretty good performance on the day for Vladdy Jr. Got his RBI, scored two runs. Buffalo ended up losing that game 11-8 because Nick Tepish was starting, and Nick Tepish makes Aaron Laffey look good. But it was exactly what Toronto wanted to see from him to start his AAA career. It, it was patient. It was measured. He didn't uh, overcommit himself in that third base. He played it well. And he showed he's mature enough to handle this kind of jump. And that will bode well for Buffalo going the rest of the season and for Toronto after that. Because at this point in time, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is easily going to be the best part of the 2019 Blue Jays. If he comes up, He may they may hold him until 2020 at this rate. Who knows? But he is going to be the attention magnet for this franchise. He is going to be the reason to watch, to watch this guy progress and hopefully improve and get to the point where he can take over and really be the heart of that Blue Jays offense for many years to come. I I don't want to say decades. I don't think he has a 20-year career. But that's not out of the question. You know, modern medicine is what it is. But... Yeah, despite not getting a hit, despite the fact that his batting average is going to read 0-0-0 for the time being, it was a great performance from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at the plate from a Lehigh Valley pitching staff that was giving him nothing to try and hit. And you know, he, he faced a decent pitcher. Ranger Suarez was the Lehigh Valley starter, and he's been pretty good for Philadelphia there. Hasn't gotten the call up yet, but he's only 22, so he's... 
He's still finding himself as a pitcher, and he's got a sub-3 ERA at AAA. So, so he's a very good pitcher to be facing. Someone who Guerrero was familiar with, having faced him in Reading, and he acquitted himself very well. So I'm happy with how that went. I'm happy that Jansen continues to hit at AAA because he is going to be coming up very soon to the major league level. I'm I'm a sh- I'm guaranteeing that he'll he'll be one of the September call ups for sure. So. Yeah, that's something to look forward to there. And this is going to be a very brief edition with the game starting very shortly, within the hour. So I'm going to cut this off right now. A nice brief hump day edition of Locked On Blue Jays. So thank you all for listening. Um, if you like my stuff, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's neoac eight. You can follow this podcast at Locked On Jays on Twitter. For, for all your updates on when you can catch this, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. And if you want to hear some additional audio content from me, you can check out news957.com. I was on the Sheldon McLeod show earlier today talking about the podcast and talking about the Roberto Osuna situation and what the Blue Jays were doing at the trade deadline. Talk with Sheldon for a little bit. Talk with his producer, Matt. Matt's a good guy, so check that out if you want to hear me um, still kind of be awake at an earlier part of the day and be a little bit exasperated, but that's nothing new. You've heard me be exasperated before, so yeah, just check out that audio hit. It's like 10 minutes of your time. I think it went pretty well, so yeah, for everyone here at Locked On Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.